Hello, Jeremy. Hi, Raph. Hey, uh, welcome back home. Yes, the stars have aligned. We're finally back on recording. Um, Sorry to our listeners, we haven't been around so much. I, yeah, I think it increases demand every time we uh, just disappear. I wonder. <laughs> I, I, I do know that the internet really loves continuous production and regular regular timing. Humans like like, beha- like they like pattern behavior. They like habit. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I was trying to do uh, an NFT release on my own platform every two weeks, and that turns out to be quite difficult. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. that it was, that I was I was set back one, one week because of my opening in Germany, mm-hmm. and now I'm set back another week because of a technical issue with image rendering on a specific project. And mm. yeah, you have so supply it, chain backup. It's more it's more once every three weeks now, but I, I hope once we get past this glitch, we can make once every two weeks. Mm-hmm. You'll never become the IKEA of art if uh, you have these supply chain shortages or yeah, right. <laughs> but it made me think of someone like Beeple who. In spite of all the distractions that there must be with his opening his own museum, etc., still does one work per day. Yeah. And is anyone looking at those works anymore? Yeah. I mean, according to social media, quite a few people, mm-hmm. more, more than uh, our audience. Like him and, him and Rafik uh, out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, no, no, but I, I really, um, I'm not trying to be. Uh, snarky or anything i really find it amazing that whatever you think about the work it's being able to do that under that pressure yeah that's quite i just did one show you know you you came and visit and uh, thank you for joining yeah but it's um i I was just very surprised with um we've all done shows like you've done gallery shows but when you do a bigger show there's a lot of details and questions and calls. It's like mm-hmm. a couple of calls every week for a year. And like, oh, uh, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And have you yeah. thought about this? And Was it everything so, <clears throat> Was it everything you dreamed it would be? Like the anticipation? Did it, did it add up to an equal yeah, it, exaltation? Yeah, I was very happy. It's great. But the, mm-hmm. the, I, I, w- I kept thinking about how do you maintain uh, blank time and which you need to be creative. I think everybody needs that when you're so busy. If you're an artist who's doing 12 museum shows per year and people say, well, you get a team, but still the team has all kinds of questions and is this okay? Is this okay? What do you think about this? Mm-hmm. And, and and that's so far from just an artist being in the studio for two years and at the end showing some paintings in the gallery and you don't really have to yeah, talk for a long time how you make the exhibition. Just hang the works. Yeah, I think I'm in a different boat these days because I balance like a full time job and making art. And so I, at some point, I was just like, whatever I make, I'm already doing better. As long as it's I'm making something every week. If it's one thing a year, if it's two, it's the act of making that. That's but yeah. that's just for me. I'm on a different track, right? Yeah, yeah, <clears> but <throat> it's similar. It, it it's not. I'm back home and really enjoying sketching and. Mm-hmm full-time nothing yeah uh but the, the whole way maybe what i'm trying to say is a lot of artists start out with a day job or a part-time day job and their dream is to be a full-time artist so you you fight for mm-hmm. making a lot of work and then maybe you have a show and you do well and you have enough money to be a full-time artist for a year and yeah. you're like that's it i'm doing it and you have all the studio time and you probably you'll probably be very creative because of it or you have a lot of time and then you get more success and you get a new day job which is managing the studio or managing the exhibitions and 
and it's kind of funny that the that I think you can see in artists' careers that they have a very creative moment at a certain age, and that's probably because they're right between graduating and and distractions from day jobs, mm-hmm. and then becoming a super mega professional, and it's that sweet spot in between. Yeah, I mean, a life is a, is long, and there are like ups and downs. So I think we talked about that on the podcast before too. You might have like a you know, a moment, it might be because like, everyone will say it's like in your 20s when you're still in school. And I think we've even talked about that. Right. But there are moments where you quit, you know, you quit something or you, you have a midlife crisis. I was talking to someone whose partner had just had a midlife crisis and everything changed overnight. And they're like, this is completely illogical. And my point to them was like, yeah, it's an emotional decision. Of course, it's illogical. <laughs> like at a point of frustration, people can also like break out of whatever traps they're in, right? And try something new. But but what's interesting to me about art is that you have to demand time mm-hmm. and just for the sake of demanding time. Because normally you demand time because you have a clear reason. Yeah. You're like, okay, we need to fix this car. We need seven hours. But with art, yeah, you no, might I, have yeah. kids who want to see you. Totally. You might have parents who are dying and who need your help. Yeah. And you're like, no, I need to sit here and do nothing. You have to think of it. I think we've talked about like, you know, being pinged by messages as rain. And like, you've asked me like, where are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm yeah. in a torrential downpour. And I think like what you're talking about is the windshield wiper. that like, allows you to see clearly, <laughs> like get all that yeah. stuff out of the way. I was, I had yeah. a dinner with um, some artist friends here in Calgary and the topic came up of like, yeah, the making it full time. And then uh, I so was that, like... So that was a, was a goal for them? Well, of course. And I asked, yeah. well, how often do you think about it? And they, they said, I think about it every day. And I was like, I have a spreadsheet that's open that calculates like every day how much closer I am. Um, but like, you know, I don't think it ever goes away until it does go away, to, to your point, until you make it there. But then there's other things that will come in and distract you, of course. Like, yeah, um, for sure. That's just life, though. Yeah. Um, we so we have been. You did do this museum show. I was in Germany. I got to see you there, which was really. Yeah. Thank you for coming. No, uh, you don't have to you, thank you me. Were, it was my well. I was thank you, you for hosting. You were in Germany for two different performances. Yeah, I was doing some I, I, doing some weird stuff in Germany. Nothing equivalent of the museum show, but I did get to perform. Z- well, we don't K- think hierarchically. That yeah. Well, ZKM yeah. for me is was like kind of going to Mecca, like kind of you yeah. know, it's like the Guggenheim of media art or something like that. But so performing on stage there, even though it was like, it was like a loose uh, assembly of friends and family in the audience. It was like a very small audience because it's in um, a small town called Karlsruhe. And uh, I talked to them about it. I was like, hey, what can we expect? They're like, not much. Not many people come to these things. (laughs) I was like, really? And you you were surprised at the size of the building. Yes. The building is like. If you've been to like the Tate Modern or something like Turbine Hall, it's like it's more than one of those chained together. It's like four of those or something. Yeah, I had no idea because Rhizome is such a big name, but they don't have a large uh, physical footprint. (laughs) It's true. true. The new museum is actually a tiny museum even, which is associated with Rhizome. Yeah, Yeah. but but Rhizome doesn't have a dedicated physical space. So yeah. and then you think ZKM, oh yeah, that's another rhizome somewhere, but no. And then, yeah, and if you talk to the curators, they're just like, they're frustrated that the, the townspeople don't even know it's there. They just think of it as like a, you know, maybe it's a factory or a car dealership or something like that. <laughs> 
Uh, anyway, uh, but it was still a, it was it was really interesting to be there, and the hosts were incredible. The show that they had up that I participated in was awesome. Had all my favorites in it, like Nam June Pike. Some of our listeners, like Dam Jansky, were in the show and stuff like that. So, um, friends of the the podcast, the pod. And in Germany, you had tons of people show up to your opening, I heard. Yeah, that was really fun. Which I didn't expect it's that. It's not like you were I, in the center of Berlin. This was in uh, No, exactly. Essen. And I never want to bother people, so I don't even invite friends directly because like, I, I don't want you to make the trip and mm-hmm. whatever. But people were excited to come. And, and uh, Legoveld performed that night, the night of the opening. And then we had a symposium, which was really fun. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And um, you, you argued about NFTs, and you, and you said it was the best panel you'd ever been on. Because <laughs> you hate panels traditionally. So when you said it was a great panel, like our symposium, right? Yeah, I was the like symposium shocked. was great. I've never heard yeah, you yeah, say yeah. that. I, I don't think, because there wasn't a lot of panels. It was mostly solo talks. I see, I see. Okay. Yeah. So, so you, you, you came in at some point and were like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want to see four chairs in a row on stage at any point. I was actually on a panel at the end, but I think that was the only panel. But overall, uh, there were just lectures. Well, the whole premise of, of the show, uh, the premise of the symposium was to treat the, the artist talks like studio visits. Yeah. Because I feel like our generation of artists, uh, our laptop is our studio. Mm-hmm. And so when someone shares their screen, you're really looking into the studio, not at documentation. It's funny you say that, because I've been thinking about this with artist talks. Like in my artist talks, I started, over time, I've showed less and less of my own work to the point, but then I was talking to, you know, because just... Well, this is an issue that uh, that, I tried to remind you of. It's a listener question, maybe, that we're just asking ourselves. But then I realized, like, I was talking to someone and they're like, the artist presented, and it's like, they didn't show any... Oh, yeah, it was my sister. She teaches at, like, a private boys' school. And they did like an arts week and they invited like, um, like the soup, the special effects advisors or something from like the Marvel superhero movies to give a keynote presentation. <laughs> I'm laughing because they just put, like she said, they didn't show literally a single clip of the effects or like process. And all they did was put a check checklist of like principles up on screen. <laughs> oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> And the kids were like, what is this, a business presentation? (laughs) (laughs) But some artists, Uh, including myself, I think at some point have fallen into that trap. Like, no one wants to see the art. They just want to talk about the checklist. I've seen that where an artist shows up and everyone is showing their work. And then one artist is cool. It's like, I'm not going to show you work. (laughs) I'm going to show you something radical. (laughs) And then everybody else looks like a dork because they showed their work. So they were goody two shoes and then... The artist up there is like, well, I'm just going to show you pictures of my thumbs. <laughs> Here's, whatever. Yeah, the inside of my purse. Yeah, um, yeah no, but, for sure. But um, no, it was overall a really great experience, a great curator, great team, uh, everybody. Yeah, and, and it's this thing still that the web is such an individual space and you make things by yourself. Mm-hmm. And then the, the institution is a communal thing, so it... It does. It's kind of a shift for me to, for example, we wanted SVG animations on the website, and that took about three months to get that going. To, like for different departments of the museum and the web development and security to, to enable that in their content management system. Mm. And that's just very different when you operate by yourself. And you're like, okay, I I set up the WordPress permissions, and now I can upload it. And yeah. So that. That can be frustrating, uh, the, the the speed of it. But then when things get going, it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Well, so it, you are completely indie again. Yeah. yeah. I was, uh, I, my song of the summer is, I was, uh, some, like, you know how sometimes you'll just have this wave of nostalgia? And uh, there was this song in 1999 that was declared the song of the summer. It was uh, Len's Sunshine. Have you ever heard that one? It goes, Steal My Sunshine? Yeah, Steal My Sunshine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Don't steal my sunshine. It's, so yeah. that's a Canadian band. And okay. it's kind of a one-hit wonder. So the I, other songs are not as good. I don't know. Like I was, I'm really into it because here in Calgary, the public transportation situation is not great, but the city is like innovative. So they're like, okay, instead of subways, what about scooters? <laughs> and oh, yeah. so in Canada, it's the only place where like not only do they allow oh, scooters, they're like they I promote scooters. I can see scooters. you on the scooters with the AirPods in that song. Yeah, and now so now I just want to cruise around town listening to that song on scooters. But what you know, it's dangerous <laughs> to have AirPods in when you're in. On a bike. Or, yeah. yeah, I know. I know. But I would just have one in what, play, oh, okay. playing my tunes. Okay. Or maybe I have an outdoor oh, speaker. You can have the Beats Pill thing yeah. around your neck. Yeah. <laughs> but the reason I bring it up is that I, I was like, what happened to them? And it turns out like they didn't do very well after okay, that. Okay, I know, I know your summer look. <laughs> so you're going to have an, an iPad necklace with the, the music video for Steal My Sunshine. Yeah. And, the, the sound is coming from the iPad. It's going to be a candy necklace with, with letters, the block letters yeah. that say, you know, Bailey, and I'll be eating yeah. those. <laughs> and it'll be, it'll be looping. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and, and you'll you have the jean shorts and the I'll be wearing Jinko jeans and a yeah. crop top. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Anyway, um, they. And everybody's like, it's okay. He's from Toronto. Exactly. <laughs> Taking over this town. But uh, they. Um, they they like when they finished they they refused to allow their music to be like uh, they basically they created their own label to publish their music so they 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 had a record deal now this wasn't good for their career so I don't know why I bring, <laughs> I bring it up in relation to, to you but they poured all the money from that song into establishing their own record label and uh, that's kind of what they did after that um, okay but that, at the time there was an they said it was a punk rock ethos which also made me laugh because I was like punk rock. <laughs> 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 Steal my sunshine? I mean, I'm really perverted, but yeah. They went. How, how is the record label doing? Well, they went on to produce some Forty One, so they did. Oh, they actually okay. did figure it. You so go. you might end up. I don't know. Would you ever invite other artists onto your platform? No. Okay. No. End of story. <laughs> That's not the point. No. It's about you being independent. No, I mean that's like I have my website. I put my own work there. I don't put other people's work there. Mm. It, it, you're, the the way you phrase the question makes me sound like an asshole. No, it isn't. No, I just meant like yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, it's it's a very stupid question. Because it's like I made a website for my work. What about other people? How are you going to help other people? <laughs> it's very very much a Jeremy thing to do to yeah, steal your sunshine. It, I, yeah, but it's terrible because the the problem with this question, like this particular question, is like how are you helping people? It negates the idea that an artist is helping the world by making art. Mm-hmm. So you're you're devaluing art, and and that's the same with your. I think you're an inspiration by by hosting it yourself. Like I know, similar, I know. Yeah. But when you ask someone that question you know. in front of other people, <laughs> you know that it's like, well, you could have used that money to help A, B, C, and D. Mm, and so there's no I, I there's no intention. rational. I know, but the, the that's that's the problem to me with the whole discussion in art that art itself lost value, and so we have to introduce sociology or climate or whatever. No, you're right. And and there's absolutely no rational argument to be made to sound um, 
Yeah, yeah, but there is a, there is one that you've done before. I think the 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 spirit of my question was. Um, and by the way, Len designed all their own album artwork, and I encourage our listeners to go look at their debut album artwork. But um, the spirit was like you you put when you did your own website sales, you published the website contract. So maybe it was just like. How could others get yeah, started yeah. with this? Yeah. But it's like, but but to me it's like, oh, I made my own homepage. And someone's like, well, what are you doing about the starving kids? Yeah, but you've always published your source code. That's all I mean. Uh, anyway, like uh, I know. even the uh, even but, in uh, the but, uh, for example, here, yeah. here's the, the question. I, I um when you do a show that involves blockchain, the press and everybody asks, Well, what about the environment? And then you explain the merge and mm-hmm. carbon offset, all these things. It's enough just to achieve the the, the peak without having to like say look for another summit I get it yeah but no 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 but then what's funny is all the other art in different forms for example um, Oliver Lyson or other artists who claim to be there and, and save the planet but they make all these uh, exhibitions that require all kinds of chemicals and transportation and nobody asks them well how was that sculpture produced and how is that carbon mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's an interesting And it's just thing. a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Like once you start saying, well, you recorded that song on a guitar. Where was that guitar made? Uh, shouldn't you? And at some point, there's just no argument to make art. Mm-hmm. That's what I worry about. Yeah, if you're because, like uh, Bob Marley, you'd be like, yeah, but my foot has cancer. <laughs> like there are more important issues. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so the, you, you, can never, mm-hmm. you can never rationally defend art. It's just... Yep. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, do uh, that... We're back into and, and, oh, no no and, and this is back, good we're back no, and to then back to you back to you back to me and, and, all right so <laughs> you were like I was born in sin I'm a white male I'm terrible blah 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 okay and therefore you started making art for other people because you're ashamed of your own art no I make art for myself but it's about me but, it's not about me yeah that's it. Uh, yeah exactly but when you started you were just like a kid playing in their room with technology and now you're like, oh, I can't do that because I'm guilty. I think you somehow imagined that I was making great work before I started making work that was about um, being guilty. But actually, it was the opposite. <laughs> so like... So, the, yeah. for example, the, the video where you're talking about being post-human and it's your face, but the mm-hmm. tentacles. Oh, yeah. Or, or the video of the cursors moving you around or things like that. Oh, yeah, classic. That was just, that was, was just you playing with technology. Mm. And then you started feeling guilty because the world told you that you're an asshole. No, I can draw a straight line between those works to where I am. Okay. Yeah. I was exploring the same issues, but just in a different way. Either way, like, you know, if you were to go even but further you, back. But you don't, you don't think that you've, you are a result of the discussion I was trying to say, that when you break it down, art is evil, and then you have to explain yourself. Mm, I mean, I, I mean, personally, I think there's room for both kinds of work in the world. And that's like, it sounds like but we're right you, back to the you. themes of the podcast. Yeah. 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 But for you personally, do you feel like you might have been uh, influenced too much by the <laughs> such guilt a leading question? No, no. I'm very happy with what I'm doing. Okay. And like, okay. And I'm that's not, all I want. Yeah. Know. I know. I know that a lot of times I think it's on the other side, like, it's similar to me being like, why doesn't someone help, you know, with your work or like, or why aren't you helping someone? And, um, it's like, we've talked about this, like our listeners are divided two ways. And I remember talking to a listener like, yeah, yeah. But so that when, when you say, why aren't you helping? That's like saying Mondrian wasn't helping. No, it's more like you telling me like, why aren't you exploring, you know, formalism with joy, you know? No, 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 no. But, but, but I think there's a, a general tendency because 
words have so much power and when you write about art it's very hard to write about mm. those those really ambiguous dreamy parts of art mm -hmm. and then you say well how is this artist helping the cause yeah. and then yeah yeah but yeah someone would look at my portfolio they'd be like he's dead enough <laughs> that's that's all you're saying too i think it's like and honestly i go back and forth on types of work um like You know, some of the works are much more extremely in, the in that direction about helping a specific social cause. And some are a little bit more like, you know, well, kind of just pure fun. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with making art for a social cause. But the problem is then if, if people see the two options and they say, well, but that one helps people. So that's better art. Yeah, but clearly like in the hierarchy of our lives and like in terms of like recognition, It's not like my path has led to more recognition. I, don't, I think sometimes I get the impression. No, 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 no. Of, yeah. No, but I, I think it's more about in your own head mm. so that you are affected by the rational argument that... Yeah. And I, I'm perfectly fine with it if that's a sincere interest. But if it's, if it's a thing where... Here's my thing. Like, if anyone yeah. in, who's in my position ever complains, like, how come I can't make money? <laughs> that, that, I think, like, doing what I do, I, that makes me laugh because I'm like... Well, like, like social practice was never about making money, right? No, like, no, no. That, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. But my, my only, because your early work was more um, solipsistic or self-indulging mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. in a good way, and that that changed, and did that change? Is it because you really wanted that or because you felt like you had to? That, no, I really wanted it. I was, I was interested yeah. in like, just like the same way, like, I think it's similar to Len, <laughs> but I did want to work with other people yeah. and have yeah, other yeah, influences yeah, yeah. and, okay. be, you know, have a bigger, kind of bigger palette to draw from. And that's what sustained me. I think like as we talked about earlier and you've gone through patterns too. I don't think you're doing exactly what you did when you were 23, you know, when you finished no, art school, for sure. you yeah, know, of you kind of evolve and go through different phases. So, I mean, who knows, maybe it'll change again. Maybe I'll go solo i'll start doing ipad paintings in my 60s or something like that and uh, we'll go i hope there. so yeah it'll yeah. be fine but but um should we get to the listener questions? yeah yeah we've almost yeah. uh well here's the the good thing is we're, we're gonna we're try clearly to back into them. our polar positions which result in good points yeah i i, I <laughs> you you came to essen and we we had lunch with christina and uh, i felt afterwards i was a bit too extreme in my position really and, no that was I just a, a pent-up good point energy that's what i told christina at the yeah. time i was like oh i haven't had ten, a time to counsel him to bring him back mm -hmm. to the middle <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. and you felt the same way about me you're like what are you doing what a pilgrimage to what <laughs> <laughs> uh okay yeah so we have a bunch of listener questions though because everyone was like hey why don't you come back and here's a question um yeah so thank you thank for you the questions yeah. we, we have a queue and we're gonna steadily go through the queue okay so are we gonna which one are we gonna start with the the easy one yeah well you had one from a friend that i didn't see the email but yeah someone you. who used to be on my team sean bachelor in australia asked a very like it might not be a simple answer but you said it you thought it was a simple answer but what no it, no it's not simple it's just an infinite topic and it, it I've, i've had that discussion a bunch of times okay it's a common there's never an answer common panel question and there are no bad questions because then we're going to scare people away from asking questions yeah. um what's the difference between art and design yeah and i have thought about this question many many times because a i worked with sean and i still do i did well i don't work with him particularly anymore as a designer but i also yeah. worked my entire life as an artist 
Um, well, I, I think the interesting question is which one is more fun? Mm-hmm. I mean, I would, here's my, my simple answer is there's actually no difference and, and very few. Yeah, I, I know yeah. because the, the, and, and I would argue that your, your art became more designed because you're working with user prompts and mm. committees and collaboration. And that's true. I probably, that's probably what led me to where I am. Cause I had a, another question come up just in person with another artist, uh, here in Calgary and they're like, how do you balance? It's a work-life balance question that I always get. And I was like, the answer is there, I don't have work-life balance. I just, my work is my art. Right. So yeah, I think like context does matter to the well, individual. Yeah. If, if you think of the 16th chapel, it's one of the most famous works of art uh, on the planet. Mm -hmm. And I think we all, we don't really think of it as design, but it was propaganda commissioned by the church. They're like, we want you to depict A, B, C, and D and convince people to stay with our church. Here's the brief and here's the budget. You make it. Yep. But, and I know rationally you can say that's design, but when you see it, it just doesn't relate much to designing a tax form. Well, also the trajectory of design has been away from aesthetic value in terms of like, Designers yeah, yeah, being like, we're more than just the aesthetics, right? Yeah, but but I'm just think I'm just saying when you go to the 16th mm -hmm. chapel and you see this overwhelming visual spectacle, yeah. you don't think that doesn't remind you of the IBM logo. But it did or, solve a specific problem, which is make I know, the church I know, sexy I know. Kind of but thing, but right? so mm -hmm. classically, like design is problem solving with a prompt. Mm -hmm. um, but I still think. You can rationally say that, but still, when you see the 16th chapel, it's very different from solving the topography of a tax form. Well, honestly, the, that's the reason why, like, great design, like, which is really hard to do. It, like, if you talk to those folks or if you study that stuff. it Like they, the Apple logo, the Nike logo. Yeah, like, sometimes you're logo. like, mm, these people are actually just really good artists in a commercial context. Um, well, but but then you, you get to the... The, when you start using the word artist as like someone who can clean a car so well, he's oh yeah. They, 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 he cleans Madonna's car. He cleans Bill. I Gates define art as a level he, of obsession he, he, that goes beyond reasonable. That's how I define art. Yeah, like, but to me, there's different ways of looking at it. And so one way is saying someone who can de detail a Ferrari and clean it so far that you call them an artist. That's right. But but we can also say art is a tree of stories and f branches of the tree and that goes from Michelangelo to yes Urs Fischer to uh, photography to performance whatever and then detailing a car is just not part of that then you can you can always start breaking down the word art until it loses meaning mm -hmm. um. and that's my point and, and but intuitively we know that like it, a, a design agency like two by four or mm -hmm. whatever design agency everywhere is clearly different than the practice of Jeff Koons or yeah, Marina but, Abramovich. But then, and then yeah. you can you can you can start dissecting semantically and like you see they're the same, but you know intuitively they're not yeah, the same. Yeah, I mean like it, of course though like about more than a decade ago, uh, Dune and Rabbi came along and were like, oh, there's this thing called speculative design, yeah, speculative design, and what is it? You know, what does it mean if there's no client and we can like okay, design okay. anything, Wait. right? I know what you're going to say, but, mm -hmm. and sorry to interrupt, sorry listeners, but 
It's often designers who want to be called artists, and it's rarely artists who want to be called designers. I mean, these are academics, right? So they weren't even like working in industry; they're in academia. I know, but but how many artists do you know who are like, oh, I keep being labeled an artist. I wish people would see me as a designer. Um, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, none, probably. You're you're right. Like art holds this special space where it's. Uh, you know, people are uncomfortable calling themselves that at first. And so it's something that you kind of claim yeah, it's a over compliment. time. It's mm-hmm. like saying I'm poetic. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's for us to decide. Yeah. Like yeah. if you're in art school, if you're like, say you're in high school and you're just starting out career track, you could say like, I'm really, you know, I want to be a designer and people will be like, Oh, are you designing? Like, okay, you're a designer. Right. But if you said, oh, I want to be an artist and you're painting and you and you're like with your friends and they're like what are you doing and you're like i'm an artist you would feel uncomfortable because you just started and you're like it's a long road and i haven't been recognized as an artist yet and blah 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 because it's a compliment yeah it's a title but there are other there are other titles just like that like i work with yeah yeah but when we use artist as the example like oh this bakery this chef the, the croissants there they're art so at that point you're using the word art the same you would use genius like these croissants are genius yeah. and so to call yourself a genius but i'm very comfortable uh, with that uh distinction like <laughs> i'm very comfortable because I, I, I like i like the idea of like a croissant artist personally but I, like i know but yeah. you, if you replace it in that context for this conversation mm-hmm. i think it would be clarifying to replace the word art with genius Yeah, I I think you might be right. Because like the bottom line for me is like, I think there are way, there are so many ways to be, to change the world in exciting and ways that are unique to you and or to be like self-fulfilled, like the same way an artist would. What's the name of the the, the Apple designer that quit, but the the famous Apple designer? Johnny Ive? Yeah, like Johnny Ive. Like like you could say, is is he an artist or is he a designer? The way he talks though is like (laughs) comically like a satirical version of an artist, like... You know, like the purest form, um, yeah, essential but still, but, material. But, but okay, because then we have we have him, and then let's say another artist like Bridget Riley, who who, who has a designs. You know who that yes, is? Of, yes, yeah. of course. The op art artist, yeah. uh, geometrical paintings, and it has a link to design visually. You you could call that design because of the the sharp forms that remind you of. Mm-hmm. of Printing, 60s design, logos, all that stuff. So let's say like two top people in, in their game, right? Mm-hmm. You have Joni Ive and you have Bridget Riley. Then if you look at the path of their life, Bridget Riley was probably very often by herself doing her thing exactly as she wanted. And Joni Ive is in a funnel of restrictions and has to fight his way through that. It's like, what can the material do? What can we do on the assembly line? Uh, is it marketable? Da-da-da. A lot of meetings, a lot of collaboration. I, I just still think there's a difference. Mm, I mean, the only difference would be you, you're either part of like an, an organization called like a, like a corporation or you have your own organization. No, there's a difference between. Yeah. Cause I, he went I out just, and started his own design studio right after that's what he does. I know, now. Yeah. but, but, and it, he's probably in a position where he calls the shots even more than the corporate people. Yeah. So it, he's the boss of the organization almost, especially after Steve Jobs. He's like, well, there is kind of an, another example. There's Tony Fidel. Do you know him? He designed like yeah. the Nest, Nest thermostat and stuff. The iPod. Yeah. Also. Yeah. In the iPod and stuff. So, and then he went and now he's like got his own design agency kind of like lending 
a hand to other companies and he seems like less of an artist now. Like he did this NFT wallet thing. Yeah. And I was like, mm, I think you what, lost what, your way, Tony. You know, like what, what's the example? Um, because it, of course there's no clear boundaries. There are artists who work with prompts and work with teams and et cetera. But if you have someone like Anish Kapoor mm -hmm. who makes these very sleek objects that are almost feel like an iPod, but as a sculpture, very, very perfectly finished, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I still think we can argue about it all day, but in the end, it's very clear to me when you feel it, when you see it, that an iPad is different than Anish Kapoor sculpture. Sure. I mean, Anish Kapoor and, does and so, like obsess over the and, details and, the same way, though, like getting yeah, the surface and perfect. Yeah, and so when we use the word artist as the word genius, then you can say, well, they're all artists. It's all art. And then the word loses meaning. Yeah. I mean, I just think among great artists, um, like you'd probably draw inspiration from outside of just other artists, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I, animation, games, uh, painting, uh, it, everything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I, there's enough shade, I guess, thrown at art that there's a, a, an argument to be made that it needs protecting because it's a very special niche way of working that... You know, it's like we're craftspeople in Japan or something. <laughs> we And it's like the way of working is actually like as old as time. And we're almost yeah. like each artist is like a little museum of the way it used to be or something. Um, well, it, it, the way I see it is back to the selfishness that and, and claiming time. Yeah. It's like the, there's always a pressure to be useful. I think the best thing, though, like and the biggest difference between art and design for me is is something you're kind of hinting at, which is there are kind of um, no restraints or constrict, you know, it's completely up to you to make up the rules and to rearrange the rules as you see fit. Yeah. But then that's, hasn't been true for all of art history. So to me, there's something even yeah. because what we call uh, autonomous art in Dutch, I don't know what you say in English, but that's a recently modern invention before that everything was crafts and and instructions from the church and all that stuff but we still call the old stuff art mm -hmm. like and it, to me it's it's something in the end that you you can't really put to words but there's a reason yeah rembrandt's paintings most of them were commissioned maybe now you would compare it to like a fashion photographer it still feels like art well, like my first something... my first corporate job was as an art director which i always found kind of like a yeah. funny interesting thing because I was an artist while I was an art director and I was like I often ask myself what's the difference here and an art director's job is to like create a universe outside of the regular one like a, it's world making so it's like imagine a set of variables arrange them such that you know other people can recognize it as uniquely about something like that's you know like a, a brand or whatever uh, an idea a product and, the, and it has its own logic uh, in that world. And I was like, I often struggle to figure out how's that different from, you know, if I created a video or if I'm Ryan Tricartan and I'm like, well, everyone's going to speak in like, you know, tw 2x speed and they're going to always wear blue makeup and um, the ed edits are going to be hyper edited. And it's kind of, you know, the difference between Nike doing it with an art director and Ryan Tricartan doing it uh, on YouTube simply seems to be um, whether or not it's a novel or, or new idea. Because art directors will often, their process will start with like mood boarding. And it's always external reference to create internal value. Yeah, I've value. been on those mood boards a lot. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure you've shown up yeah. on those new mood boards. And so the artist is often... The, the, worst, the worst to me is when ad agencies 
email me. It's like, hey, do you want to do a fireside chat? <laughs> right, right. And they basically want to rip off my shit. And I'm like, sure, my rate is uh, such and such. And they're like, oh, we don't have any budget. Yeah. And then I go to an art school and they pay a very fair budget. I'm like, wait, the school has more money than the ad agency? Well, they just recognize that you're pre-mood board. <laughs> like you're the you're the you're the input into the mood board and then you know and so i think because yeah. con- capital consumes um whereas i think art is about production and producing yeah. and, but the, and that would trace back hundreds of years right because it would yeah. be like invention leonardo da vinci like what could be new it's innovation in some maybe, way maybe maybe yeah. art and design is like a gradient from selfishness to uh, willingness to cooperate yeah maybe but then you would be right about an earlier argument. I'm not willing to give you that. So. <laughs> yeah, but to me, to me, making definitions isn't helpful, yeah. and it's just something you feel when you see it. And like, yeah, you feel alive can, for sure. No, no, no. I can go into an exhibition, and it can be terrible. Like I hate the work; it's awful. But I'm pretty sure it's art. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like I think okay, you should be allowed to hate art. That's like number one rule yeah. for me, anyway. And then, so art is not a compliment. And then you walk into an exhibition, especially with NFT, and often I see NFT art, and I'm like, I don't think it's art. It's not necessarily bad. It's a different thing. It's also not designed. There was no design prompt. Yeah. And and artists like um, Beeple and Pack, who, who are at the top of the, the, the game of the NFT thing, they call themselves designers. Mm-hmm. So... It's all kind of vague and blurry, and it's like subcultures also. You could say contemporary art is a subculture with a way of speaking and a way of dressing. And if you don't want to conform to that, Mm -hmm. then it's hard to participate, da-da-da. And so people, it's like, well, the museums are probably not going to accept me. I'll just build my own museum. Yeah, but that's what I'm talking about. So as soon as you start making your own rules and and... And it's counterintuitive to the norm, like, you know, you're you're kind of unsettling normalcy. As soon as you kind of go into that place where it's like, you know what, I don't even know if this is going to work out, but I want want to go there and see what happens. I think that gives you permission to kind of, it's like you have to have research. There has to be a research component to it. Yeah. I I think uh, I stand by that it's a feeling Mm -hmm. in the end. And like David Hockney's iPad drawings, they come after decades of making different kinds of work had he started maybe just with the uh, ipad drawings you might have thought of like oh who is this illustrator yeah um so it's a feeling there's there's no definition it's a lot about the funny thing about hockney too though is also like his early works are so iconic and you'd have a hard time describing why um it's the mood yeah yeah and I think that that is something I was on this panel at ZCAM, which would have horrified you in a way because it was like a bunch of like abstract questions, not about art making, but it, well, it was about that. Plus like, what is science? <laughs> this is even worse. It's like, and I was like actually having a hard time. Um, I was sitting next to a particle physicist and him and I both kind of agreed on certain terms that like, you know, why sh- someone asked like, well, what value does particle physics produce for the world, right? Like, because it's all theoretical. And he was Mm -hmm. like, well, kind of a better understanding of ourselves and how we fit into the universe. And I think, like, that's not that different from great art in terms of, like, it's able to transcend some kind of um, But But the, the question was, what's the difference, not what are the similarities? Between particle particle physics and art, well, it was between design. Yeah, you know. 
or, or, what, it, no one asks what are the similarities between design. I think I honestly it's think clear. it's about finite versus infinite. So it's like scarcity versus abundance. And art yeah. art has like kind I of like I don't even think that's true yeah. either because it, when you think of Apple, a design driven company, yeah. They're thinking about a much larger audience than the artist. They're like, let's reach a billion people. And the artist is like, well, I might reach 10 people. But that's not true among internet artists. Like, I, I routinely no. reach hundreds but of still, thousands like, of people. But still, I think business people think at a scale. When you're yeah. talking about infinite, they really think in the... So you could say business people are better artists than artists. Oh, I was going to say maybe the business person was actually finite, which is that they see an end point, whereas the artist doesn't necessarily assume yeah. a final point. I, I, I want to... I want to end this question so we have room for the next question. Yeah, you were right about it being ever-expanding and, and circular. Yeah. But that's why I come yeah. back to my original thing, which is there's no difference and there's every difference, kind of, you know, like everything. Well, if, if you want to list similarities, there, there are a lot. And if you want to list differences, they're hard to describe, but you can feel the difference. And here's the way you could probably check in on it and be like, am I enjoying this? <laughs> well, that was back, back to my argument of like, what kind of life do you want? <laughs> yeah. Do, do you want to be in a team, in a room with developers? And, and uh, But even artist studios are like that too. And that goes back to the question of institutional shows. It's like if you participate in that level of professionalism, you, you need the agency model Yeah. and you become an agency. When I visited Rafael Lorenzo Hemmer's studio, I was like, this is a design agency when I was in it, right? And like, it, I mean, but his art is still transcendent. It's still, but it felt like I was in a design agency. Like they were solving so, problems. But that's a that's a fine line of of um, when you get into that work mode, and then it goes back to maybe the management is the art form. Mm, yeah. In that case, but I think a lot of people would just argue it's the belief. Like, belief. Like it's a. How do you manage a company like that where the artist still has room to be spontaneous? Yeah, like if you put everything Apple, so MoMA destroyed this distinction. I think they're the the only museum that's like actually there's kind of a difference, but not really, right? We believe that this chair by Frank Lloyd Wright is of equal value. To I'm not this, I'm not yeah. arguing that one is better than the other. Yeah. I'm asking what life do you want? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Frank Lloyd Wright. I mean, I think probably had a miserable life. <laughs> I don't know. It seems architects always have a high life. pressure. Yeah, like the building yeah. could fall on someone. You know. Yeah. You know, they still had to prop up the waterfall house. Like it's not. Yeah, and, and then sound. you think of uh, of Salvador Dali, and he made paintings, but he all made also made fashion and products and movies and whatever he felt like. Mm -hmm. It seemed like he had a fun life. Yeah. Well, thanks, Sean, for uh, ruining this podcast. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, good question, but one note's probably going to take us like a few more years to answer, maybe until we die. I, th I think uh, go to some museums and then see if you can feel the difference. I like the feeling thing because it points at the invisible, which for me is the number one thing, which is like it's, we're, you know, that's why I always say research because it's like the knife's edge that you can't, you know, that cuts you and you're like, but I can't see it, you know. But I can see the yeah. blood, and there it is. Yeah. yeah. So, next question from Jesper Norbeck. I think we had questions from him before. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, and so he suggests is it the Jesper topic or Jesper. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay, thanks, Jesper. You will I'll go Jesper. Uh, you go I, Jesper. Sorry. I suggest <laughs> gifs and gifs. Yeah. Yeah. I suggest the topic of artist interviews. What do you look for in a good artist interview? Is it even interesting to talk and think about the artist, or do you just care about the art? Some artists avoid doing interviews and gain a sense of mystery. What are your thoughts on that? 
When have you personally said no to an interview and why? Maybe you could talk about if you personally met an interesting artist, what would you ask them? What question would you ask if you were interviewing each other? Uh, so you're gonna have to unpack that. It's a lot of the artist interview. Yeah, two part question, three part answer. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but the first question, the first part of the question is, what do you think of artist interviews? Yeah, or what a good one is. What do you look for in a good artist interview? Yeah, I mean, I I really love artist interviews, and I feel like YouTube has been very helpful to to surface a lot of new and old interviews with artists and. What I look for is encouragement to, to see that, that they start with a small idea and it's like, oh, you just start with something that seems unimportant. Mm -hmm. I think this is, it, yeah, it's funny. This is a funny thing, though, because like, you know, every artist hates being asked, how did you make that? But in an artist interview, I actually really enjoy seeing how they made it, you know, like the process behind the work. Um, yeah. And and to me, um, what I like about artist interviews is it's unfiltered access and compared to third party e either historians oh, or yeah. curators who write about the work and and the work is often so complicated to write about but very simply made mm -hmm. and a lot of artist um, interviews the artist isn't even very you know very eloquent in regards to like how they describe no the and they don't have to be mm -hmm. but it the the examples uh, the movie blue velvet and david lynch just saying yeah i had this idea of yeah. a severed e ear yeah. And then the movie started with that. And that's all the, that's the only idea. Like, oh, you, you look through the grass and there's a human ear. And it does kind of annoy me, though, if an artist is like, I don't know why I made this. Um, like in an interview, I'm just saying I'm, whether or not it's true or false is not really the issue. It's more just like the I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I'm just But compelled. isn't it the best when you don't know? I know, but it can come off as aloof and annoying, like too cool. But it's since I, I do think... Um, there's an argument to be made that your brain operates in a mysterious way that it's too complicated for us to comprehend. Mm -hmm. And and words are funnels. Oh, of course. So you, ha yeah, you have your thoughts and then you have to funnel them through language. And you and some people are better at words than others. No, and this is but why. There's, yeah. there's a lot of brain activity that's not verbal. So that's maybe the when they say, I don't know why I made it. It's like their brain started doing things. They started, uh, a curiosity occurred. Yeah. Something happened. And trying to reduce it to words for some people is great. And for other people, it would be diminishing the idea of reducing the idea. No, yeah, that's a good and like a standard point, I think, which is like a visual thinker does not necessarily think in verbal terms, right? So, yeah. Um, and, and, and intuition is, is often before words. So you're, you're like, I, I'm not sure why I'm, I want to make this, but I feel I have to. Mm -hmm, yeah. And that's one thing that I, the, the examples, with interviews with Roy Lichtenstein, uh, he, he was kind of painting like an abstract expressionist, very heavily influenced by Picasso and, and uh, Willem de Kooning. Mm -hmm. And they were, he was kind of going towards everyday American f objects in still lives, but he didn't have the deadpan comic book style yet. And he said, well, there was just a bubblegum wrapper in my studio. And right. I was like, oh, it'd be funny to paint that. And he said, once he made that painting, there was no way back. It's like, this was just, it was such a clear step and I couldn't go back. And then in another interview, so th this is what's encouraging to me, that the fact that it kind of happens. It happened because he was struggling. Like there was that preparation of, ah, my work is too derivative. How do I escape this, th these geniuses before me? Mm -hmm. And then 
the reason he found the bubblegum wrapper or whatever it was is because he was in the studio practicing and, and right. being focused. Right, right. And then reading that in an interview is much more interesting to me than a historian trying to say why that happened because there was a war in Vietnam and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, he was just kind of zoning out in the studio. Yeah. But, but just to finish, in another interview, he, he said, yeah, I, I had that thing with the raster of, of, of printing and enlarging that into painting. And that was a really big idea. And I never had an idea as big as that afterwards. So I just had to be content with that idea. <laughs> and I thought that was very honest. And yeah. I think galleries will often, they're selling stuff. So they're like, a new breakthrough and da-da-da. And this is amazing. And he was just like, yeah, that was my moment. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. like, I do like the storytelling aspect though in a good interview. And even if it's like childhood stories, like Richard Sarah talking about, you know, walking along you know in in the portlands with his dad working on like steel like hulls of ships and stuff like that it does i don't know that kind of yeah same with black sabbath being near the steel factories in england were they the sound of heavy metal they're like this was the smell of metal in the air is that where heavy metal comes from like the i think it was judas priest both judas priest and black sabbath being near metal factories and then part of it is that tony iomi his is left index finger got chopped off in a steel factory and he replaced it with a steel tip and that created the sound oh wow yeah that's interesting yeah so the, again artist interview yeah yeah exactly i mean those are the those little things those little kind of eureka moments like the bubblegum rap or whatever <clears throat> they're fascinating because they're like unexpected but they also kind of demystify the yeah, mythology and, and, you know and and to me they're encouraging when you find out like uh, Ozzy Osbourne always talks about the, the critics always hated them they thought a good band is supposed to do ballads and heavy songs all combined and the, a master should be able to do everything and they only did heavy songs mm-hmm. so the critics were like well this is music for hooligans this is stupid but then they created a whole music genre that billions of people love um and so that is very encouraging to me that critics often get it wrong so why would you why would you try to please critics or follow them or whatever no i know well that goes back to our original art and design thing too like without a client to say yes or no like if it's just for you and there's joy in that yeah um you're probably you know you might get somewhere interesting i i like in the yeah, so I like that in interviews. But the the second part of the question is, um, maybe we're not finished, but uh, have you ever said no to an interview? I was interested in that because like, I don't think I've ever said no, even if it's like a student, especially if it's a student I'm willing to I, do. I, I often say yes to students, but if it's a publication and I, I look at it and I don't like the atmosphere of the publication, mm. then I say no because it, it I've done it a few times, but you can sort of see like, oh, if their frame of mind is just, um, it's like a, would I want to be friends with them and it, it gets kind of personal but mm-hmm. it's it's the truth because it, it, like how is it helpful for either of us if we're not having a good time I did an interview with uh, Jezebel recently which is like the woman's blog thing but I, I, had, I thought I had remembered it as like a kind of like a porno blog and for a second I was like should I be doing this interview so I went and looked up and I read all the articles and I was like oh it seems like they've really come a long way and it was it was like yeah. more feminist and I was like okay I can do this interview yeah yeah, yeah. well that's what I mean like mm-hmm. it, it's not a prejudice like oh I'll only talk to things that further my career but it's more 
do I think this will be an interesting conversation? Mm -hmm. I find reporters of art to be really interesting, though, like or people that do the interviews. There's like because they're quite often it's someone who it's they're either a practicing artist. I mean, is there a preferred interview style or interviewer for you? Like um, because sometimes it could be the curatorial style interview or it could be this like pure journalist, like a pop journalist from like. You know, say like Rolling Stone wanted to interview. I, I would assume that would be like the best case for you. You'd like be, you'd you'd be all over that. Back in the day, I, what, I know it's what, not. Like, what would that be like? They'd be like, "Tell me about uh, Berlin in 2008." And you'd be oh, like, okay. You'd be like, "Wow, well, you know, we were rolling down the streets <laughs> on bicycles." <laughs> well, and, I can tell you that the time in Berlin was like everybody was high and drunk, and I was drinking water and going home early. And they'd be like. Badass purity, yeah. <laughs> Raphael. Yeah, uh, there's there's a there was a bar in Berlin called the Times Bar, and it was an art project, but also a bar. And then I love that would bar. Make, I thought it was yeah, really cool. But they they had a the whole cocktail bar, and they would just always make sparkling water with all kinds of fruit in it. That was me. Nick and Dan's bar, right? Isn't that what you're yeah, talking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I three D. Yeah, but I I remember always just. I would be like, tonight I'm going to stay up and I would stay till 3 a.m. and then go home. And then people are like, why'd you leave so early? It started getting fun around 7. I know. That was me as well. Yeah. I mean, I was a nerd and I still am. So yeah. I was just reading an article. I, I do think, you know. yeah, I do think for me, the NFT thing became really liberating because I always felt this pressure to stay up late to be part of the art world. Mm -hmm. And then the NFT thing is like, well, you just have to be, you know, you do the good morning. You you, st you wake up early. Everybody's up early. I'm like, okay, this is this is good. Yeah. So did you must? I mean, f during the NFT craze, though, the interview situation was explosive because everyone everyone was confused. Not, not really. No. It was there was a couple of interviews, but yeah, I did like one uh, yeah. panel, uh, and I was the only person on the panel that I, I guess that made was Clubhouse. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, I, I have to say, Clubhouse was all about Twitter getting Live, as many Clubhouse. people on the call as possible because then you have a lot of listeners and that means everybody gets to talk for is that really an interview minutes. or a panel talk it just like yeah exactly but almost like yeah. the worst form yeah. of panel talk i would joke honestly it when i've been great. on those and hopefully none of our listeners are offended by this but like because they've invited me to twitter live or clubhouse by the way clubhouse is like totally pivoting they're trying to figure out what the future of conversation is or something yeah, what are they going to do i don't know probably collapse um but honestly the artists would be in another channel like a discord or like on just Twitter DMs talking about how horrible it <laughs> was. <laughs> this is painful. How painful it was to wait. There's been life. a couple of cool ones, but but overall, I, I think I, I have to say also I've I've stopped listening to most podcasts. I used to always listen to Pivot, and then I got really into it, and I, I would follow Kara Swish's podcast, and then Scott, and it would be like every morning be an hour and a half of business gossip. Yeah, and it's fascinating. Because there's so much going on, and it's like, oh, did you hear this? Did you hear that? And I tuned and it all out. repetitive after a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to be more fair, and we need, good people are good, and bad people are bad. And, yeah. Yeah, I mean, business interviews right now are kind of interesting because they're not heroic. Like, the, the yeah, interviewing yeah. a hero to me is boring. I mean, everyone but wants to... But interviewing CEOs is always boring because they just talk like an ad. Well, basically, like, oh, at this just, point, it's like... Sam Altman. believe in synergy and yeah. opportunities, and yeah. Sam Altman's full-time job, I think, is doing interviews at this point. Like, <laughs> maybe that's when OpenAI stops like innovating. It's because like Sam Altman 
stop his well, job is now full-time interview exactly but this is really back to the question of focus like i'm sure steve jobs didn't do that many interviews for a reason mm. oh you're right he didn't you know i still watch these like archival ones on youtube i'm like wow i think most of the interviews with steve jobs are from his period at next because he was probably not that busy and he was kind of depressed at the moment mm -hmm. and so i remember this interview where he's just really talking about well, education is going down the drain. People are getting dumber because of media, and he seemed really sad. And yeah, yeah, the non-heroic interview from the like come from behind or like failed leader is the best. Um, yeah, I, one thing I really love about artist interviews is is artists talking about their sources, and that's always been very interesting to me. Whether musicians or filmmakers or a, a yeah. filmmaker talking about other movies, obscure movies, yeah. and then I watch those. I love that. Or an artist mentioning an old painter I didn't know. And I was listening to an interview with our uh, old friend, Corey Archangel. And what I loved is he described his family life as an input, you know, and like influence and his brother introducing him to, you know, certain type of music. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I really love that idea that because family is often stripped out of the conversation, but I just loved hearing him talk about yeah. his family and growing up in Buffalo, New York and stuff. Like well, that. yeah. And then this podcast has been a 200 part interview between the two of us. <laughs> That's right. I mean, one of my favorite interview shows, but it's kind of cliche at this point is, but it's probably, it's been going on so long is art 21. Um, and I remember as a young arts, have you ever watched that? I don't think so. Really? It like probably they used to should put have out, popped up at uh, they, YouTube. They used to put out DVDs, and if you went, you know, in art school in the in the United States, because it was PBS that put it out, you know, you'd be excited to see like, oh, there's a Paul Pfeiffer interview on this yeah, yeah DVD, yeah. and I can't wait but to see I, how he does I, his post production. Is Art Twenty One on YouTube? Yeah, now they are. Yeah, you can watch new because stuff every day. It's not a thing where they have a business model with a paywall. It's a public broadcasting corporation production. So oh, okay. it's like, it's really high quality. I think it's one of the oh, best. Because cool. yeah. I, I always end up at, at Louisiana, that museum in Denmark, mm -hmm. and they have an extensive YouTube channel. So I'll look for artist interviews and I always end up there. Mm. Yeah. Check out R21. It's a, yeah, I'm a subscribing great archive. Now. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was the third part of this question? Uh, what question would you ask if you were interviewing each other? Well, I think we've, we've covered that. Okay. Uh, and Check. then uh, <laughs> if you personally met a certain artist, what would you ask them? Mm, a specific artist. So who would you want to, who's your dream interview with? Well, I always wanted to interview, there's a lot of dead artists I would want to ask questions. Yeah, well, that's uh, fine. I think that's game. Fair game. Yeah. Um, let me think about it for a second. Do you, do you have someone? It, like I was going through my list of like heroes and some of them I've actually, you know, that I've met and haven't met and what, I, and the disappointment, like Carolee Schneeman would be one example where, you know, performance artists really admire them. I did spend time with them, but I asked them stupid questions like, how do you afford rent and stuff like that? <laughs> like yeah, I'd ask yeah, them yeah. like questions about But that. that is, how do artists deal with the economics is always interesting, even though it's also, it is a slippery slope when you go too much in that direction yeah. and then it you you avoid the really interesting Chris, stuff. i think chris burden would be the artist that i'd want to interview most and specifically yeah. would want to hear about his time in art school because that's where he made his name while he was in art school with shoot and stuff and i would just want to hear like you know about 
what gave what compelled him like what, where his energy was coming from at that age to do some of the things he did it would be weird but so I, I guess I don't have a specific question but like he was like were yeah. you a fr- were you willing to die you know because yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that, that he did do that <laughs> yeah apparently he wasn't it was supposed well, there's, to there's yeah. there's Bastian Ada who died in an art performance oh yeah the boat so, but yeah well that but yeah. that's legend right like did, yeah. did he actually die or no one found the body yeah, no one found the body but I, I have a specific question for Robert Crumb okay I bought you some time Robert Crumb yeah. what would you ask the, the the cartoonist who you probably find offensive, but um, <laughs> don't assume. First of all, I, hopefully I've taught you don't assume anything. Anyway, do you find his work offensive? Um, I don't like. I actually don't know if I. There's a specific work that comes to mind, so probably no. In, okay. in regards to offense, I I I was obsessed with him growing up and uh, um, had all the comics and etc. But I was interested in when he invented his style of of drawing. It, it looked like classic comics, but a little bit fucked up and more perverted. But the visual language was almost like it was appropriated, similar to Lichtenstein. Yeah. It was just classic American cartooning, close to like early Donald Duck cartoons. Or Reminded me of Mad Magazine, kind of his style. Yeah. And so how much of it was a tongue-in-cheek almost appropriation? Or like was the style ironic in the same way right now you might do an ironic 90s um, fashion statement? And was that the beginning of sort of this irony in visual style? And that that's what I'm curious about. Mm-hmm. I'm just doing a Google image search here and seeing some like hairy cave woman with big breasts and stuff. So is that why you thought I'd find it offensive? No, if you read them, the, he's really playing with um, like cutting off a woman's head because she talks too much and then having sex with the body, th- things like that. I think you wouldn't be cool mm, with that. Yeah, I do see some things here too around like... Uh, See, once you go it, down the hole, maybe I'd ask him, hey, what was the climate like that felt that you felt like this was your question about yeah. irony maybe would be an interesting one. Yeah. But specifically about the visual style. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my question. Huh. Okay. Interesting question. Okay. And then the, the, there was the question, some artists avoid doing interviews altogether to gain a sense of mystery. What are our thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, this mystery thing, it's bullshit, yeah. Like, um, Well, I think sometimes when you see Sola Witt didn't do interviews and hardly took pictures, he was also not the best-looking guy. Yeah, I think so rather, it, than, but that's a different that interpretation. Makes sense. Yeah. Like maybe he was really bad at interviews and he's like, I'm just going to get in the way of the work, I'm going to mess it up. Well, there is like, I mean, I'm certain I've ruined my career many times by talking. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I like going back to our original point earlier in the podcast. I don't, I don't think that's true. I don't Jeremy, really care. I, I, I don't think anyone thinks of you as a bad conversationalist. Mm, yeah. Well, I, it's true. I've received the opposite, which is like, oh, hearing you talk about the work, I realize it's not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is not as ugly as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because a lot of times early interviews that I did, they'd be like, why are you using this video game style or something? And I'd yeah, be like, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's not what this is about. This is about like real-time graphics and the history of like demo culture and like this is what I'm capable of yeah. with the machine like oh I, I thought we were just like uh, playing with Mario <laughs> like, okay um yeah. so I guess you're yeah I mean the in terms of the mystery though you're right like some people 
maybe it's just like they know that they don't give a good interview or they get frustrated and they misspeak and they regret it later. I, I'm not really into shaming in that, in that sense, I guess. Who's like that, though? Like, I'm just well, I, I definitely believe that art should not have rules, so it's up to the artist whether they want to do interviews or not. Mm-hmm. And I think it's case by case, and I think sometimes people try it and it becomes really uncomfortable, it gives them anxiety, or it, it just gives them a bad feeling, mm-hmm. and then they shouldn't do it. And if, if they can get away with just making the work and focusing and let, letting other people talk... Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you love... I feel like you, both of us really love in an interview context, like a drop the mic type of moment though. Like you're very good at the simple pointed answer that like yeah, makes everything it's, clear. It's funny. I'm, I'm good at it in conversation and I'm, it's very hard to do on Twitter and I'm really <laughs> afraid on Twitter. Yeah, me too. To, to make those kind of statements because tweets don't really get read as jokes. They're more read as a serious thing. Yeah. It misses the tone of voice. And uh, so and it's kind of it, it's such a combative environment, but I know how powerful Twitter can be. But yeah, yeah, I think for me as well, like because I've often spoken in an ironic tone, it translates or satirically, it translates very poorly into yeah. Um, yeah. into text and and Twitter is yeah. all about owning someone. Yeah, I mean, actually, this is it's where it, there yeah. is kind of some interest for me, which is like in in the nuance you can like it's almost like you can be in this um, quantum state where you're both, it's both things at once. And that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't exist in writing no. typically. Right. But the, the, the tweet I always think about is when, when the, when the crypto thing was going really well and you remember with foundation mm-hmm. and I, I, I tweeted when we're promoting our work, we're not making our work. And I was trying to say like, if we are, yes, I remember when ind- if we're independent artists, and we have to spend time doing the promotion the gallery would do. We have less time making our work. Mm-hmm. And immediately people are like, that's easy for you to say. You make so much money, blah, blah, blah. And da, da, da. And everybody was, and I was like, that's not the point I'm trying to make. And I feel like in a panel talk or in a live event, that, that frustration would, I don't know. It would be, and the in, interviews are great for that reason. You can be like, oh, what do you mean? And then... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely the, so we don't, I mean, it doesn't sound like you would like the polarizing, like political kind of interview, like one with, I mean, certainly the worst interview I for never, me. Would be, I never defend myself. That's for sure. Yeah. My least I'm like, fa- okay, if you think that that's. Who would be your least favorite. favorite interview? Mine would be Jordan Peterson. One, you know, single easy answer, you know, like that. I don't, I don't care what this person has to say, even if they said something interesting, yeah. I would disregard it as meaningless. Well, I, I wouldn't want anyone to interview me who's who's focused on economics or power yeah oh interesting so me basically yeah because <laughs> to me that's not the part that interests me about art it's it's a necessary aspect yeah i think you say that but like it's embedded in there you know it's so it's always i don't know there. i don't think that's true it has I been th- since th- the very beginning the fact that i want to make work is show it for free and not be bothered yeah. by people looking over my shoulder yeah it's almost like by do by by saying that by like doing the opposite you actually make the other thing bigger you know like it's in, in a way it's a brilliant strategy <laughs> <laughs> i don't know but i i do think uh, in an interview i'd rather focus on the intangible and the mm. the ambiguous yeah no i agree i mean those are the interesting ones or the ones where it's like the pedantic you know tell me about like what it was like to go to primary school in the Netherlands in yeah. the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely 
the Montessori school has these learning materials, all these colorful blocks that if you see that material, you're like, oh, that's why your work looks like that. Oh, I remember you telling me that. There's actually, I watched a separate thing about that and how it had a huge influence on op art and other forms of like <clears throat> formalism because in Scandinavia as well, they had this specific education practice that was dedicated like curriculum on color and form. And it actually yeah. ended up creating a huge wave of artists. Uh, I also think it, the growing up in a country that tends to be gray, that you're like, oh, I want to maximize my color output. Mm -hmm. So maybe as like a final thing here, like I got your catalog at the museum show. And at first I was honestly uh, underwhelmed by what you signed in the book. <laughs> Just like you, <laughs> you're nice to meet you. Um, <laughs> But also, like, as far as catalogs go, you know, I think at the show I told you, like, I really respect how um, restrained the show is. But the catalog is equally restrained because it's the horizon. It's not work. a catalog. It's it, yeah, it's it's an artist book. Yeah. So yeah. it's an actual artist book. And it, but it is quintessentially you, I realized as I was like riding home on the train um, or riding back to Karlsruhe, because it's a set of horizons, which also feature in the exhibition. But, you know, a horizon is just two blocks of color. Um, but that's not most people's horizons. That That is a uniquely um, Dutch horizon yeah. of yeah. a flat, you know, block. And then block. sitting in the train, you, you saw that. In the train, yeah, especially. Yeah. So it was kind of like struck me. Yeah. But but the... Um, no, I, I, I really believe the, the, the role of art is to create more art. And so interviews are a part of that. I, I hope in the end everybody can spend time following their interests, and that's that's what art is to me. Mm -hmm. But I like the some people say like the interview ruins the art, but I actually I, for for me personally, no, I, I don't, don't agree. I with don't that. agree. Yeah. And it, 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 do you know examples where you liked the work, but when you found out more about the artist, you liked it less? There was this artist that was kind of hot, like, um, I don't even remember their name now, but they, uh, maybe it was like 15 or 20 years ago, they did these um, kind of photos where they would like release a puff of like smoke into the air and it was very scenic. And then then they did like um, this, some other interesting works with logos and stuff that investigated design. Anyway, I, you know, as someone who was interested in art and design, I remember... I don't want to name their name, but I also can't remember it. Even if I did remember it, though, I don't think it would be good. <laughs> I don't want to name names, but also... But I saw them give an artist presentation, an, inter an interview, and it was so offensive. Like, they were like... They not only were aloof about it, like, I don't know, I don't, I don't think this really means anything, but because the work was political, like, in some of the cases, I found it, like, personally offensive, because I'm like, what, you don't know? Like, this is, like are you being ironic, but it wasn't. And I, and I just kind of lost respect for that person in that yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that does happen. It yeah. can, yeah, it can happen just because they weren't taking responsibility. And, and then, think. and then you might see them again. Like maybe they had a bad day and then it might flip. Oh, you know, who the artist was now that I remember, remember they did that pyramid of beer bottles at the Berlin. Um, where was it? Oh, Cyprien Gaillard. Cyprien Gaillard. Yes, that's who it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I liked their yeah. work, but then I hated it after this interview. So. Okay. Well, he's he's kind of a macho badass persona. And yeah, but it didn't it didn't come off like because he was also intersecting politics in some cases. Like he did some stuff with indigenous imagery. I, I, yeah. Well, a lot of his topic is like the decay of civilization. So it, it it's yeah. it's not necessarily political in the sense that. 
it's not trying to choose a side. It's just like saying, okay, civilizations collapse, and that's the subject. Is he still doing a lot of stuff? I don't know. So not sure. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but so in Tokyo. Mm, yeah, it, it does happen sometimes, but overall. It's good vibes when we see interviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry to go on the Cyprian Gayard hate fest here. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, all right. Well, we're back. So do you think we'll be back again? Or is this like a once in a... Yeah, I, I have zero obligations on the calendar. Oh, you're it's in the funny. glorious moment after a major event where like you can yeah. finally sleep in. I'm just making work. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't sleep in. But. Oh, I know. But like maybe the day after, like the week after you'll sleep in or something. You'll just have that no, like no, 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 extreme no, no. fatigue. I'm just excited to get back to work. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I, I did a drop, NFT drop like two days after the opening or something. Mm. So I'm not slowing down. Okay. You're not slowing down. Keep it going. Um, don't, yeah, don't let it become a famine. Exciting. Well, there's lots more to talk about. Um, and then, uh, uh, we're going to see each other in August, but until then we're going to try to record every week. Yeah. Maybe we record in person there. I I mean, I know Kristen and, uh, Christina will hate that, but probably not why we exist. Uh, okay. Well, thanks. It's great to catch up and, um, Thanks to our listeners for being week. patient. Hopefully there's someone, you know, that some people still subscribe. This pops up. Thank you. Yeah. Keeps it. All right. Up. Well, at least if, if no one's listening, we, we both listen. So that's two listeners. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Good catching up. All right. Yeah. Thanks everyone. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.